I would like for us to take our Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 10. Revelation chapter 10. We're going to be looking at four parentheses over the next couple of weeks or so in the book of Revelation. Uh, these parentheses help us to better understand what uh, the book of Revelation is all about. It can be very confusing, a very complex book in studying, and therefore many uh, pastors uh, try to stay away from it because they don't understand it, but God has promised to give us understanding. In Daniel chapter 12, God made promise that in the last days that he would unseal the book and give us that understanding. And as the Lord Jesus Christ broke the first seal that begins Daniel's 70th week, we find that there are three judgments that take forth the seven seal judgments. Those seven seal judgments run the duration of the tribulation period and end with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result of the duration of God's judgment, there is grace and mercy, and we see in the parentheses that we looked to a couple of weeks ago, the first parentheses, that God reveals that there is a host of people that are saved out of this great tribulation that cannot be numbered from every nation, kindred, and tongue as a result of 144,000 Jewish missionaries from the 12 tribes of Israel, numbering 12,000 from each tribe. And then we have the seven trumpets and also the seven bowl judgments. There are three various views on how these judgments run. There are some that believe that they are all run in consecutive order. There are some that believe that the three judgments, that they run simultaneously. And there are those, and there are a few of those, and I take the position in believing that uh, they, are, they are concurrently ending at the same time, but beginning at different times. Revelation 7, beginning at the very beginning of the, I mean, Revelation, or the seven seal judgments with Revelation 6, giving us the full scope of the tribulation period. And then we go to the trumpet judgments as uh, we understand that. If we interpret it right based on the parentheses that we're going to study, that begins at the midpoint of the tribulation period and takes us to the end. And then the vials or the bold judgments are judgments uh, that be begin somewhere close to the end and take us to the end and bring out the severity of the judgment. And we see that through the parentheses that we find in Revelation chapter 8, 17, and 18. So these parentheses are important, and we want to take you into these parentheses and give you an understanding of what God has assured us of. In the parentheses that we find in Revelation chapter 7, it focuses on the people that are being saved. And then the, as we get to the parentheses that we're going to study this morning, part one of those parentheses, we see God's focus on places uh, that uh, he wants us to be aware of during the tribulation period. 
And then he also gives us the understanding of his purpose in the third parenthesis. And then he concludes with his power. We see the power of Satan, but the greater power of Christ in the fourth parenthesis. So this morning, without any further ado, let's stand as we give reverence to the reading of God's Word. We're going to look to part one of parenthesis number two, uh, where uh, God wants to give focus here on uh, something that is very important that we all need to understand, and that is that we can understand. God wants us to understand that uh, these <clears throat> purposes and powers and places and people <clears throat> can all be revealed to us through the study of God's Word. A mystery that has been to many people can be unfolded for us who know the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. But you have to get into the Bible and you must study it line upon line, precept upon precept. We're going to read down to verse number 7, pray, and then you can be seated. So we read in verse number 1 of Revelation 10, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud. And a rainbow was upon his head. And his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea, his left foot on the earth. And he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth, and when he cried, seven thunders uttered their voices and when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders have uttered, or th seven thunders uttered, and write them not. Shucks. <laughs> and the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven. And swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. And in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask again for your blessings upon the reading of your word. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, that you would give to us attentive ears, open hearts to receive your word. We ask, dear Heavenly Father, if there's anyone in our midst this morning that does not know you as their personal Savior, that they would leave from this place knowing that Jesus Christ lives within their heart. For we pray this in the name of Jesus and all of God's people say it. 
Thank you. You may be seated. What is interesting here, <clears throat> we read in verse number 6, he says, And he sware by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are therein. The earth and the things that are therein, the sea and the things that are therein, that there should be time no longer. So the question is, who is this mighty angel? And there are different views. The most popular view is that this mighty angel is the Lord Jesus Christ by the mere description of who the angel is. His countenance as the sun that shineth in his strength as it relates to Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 15 and 16. However, we do not find anywhere in the book of Revelation or anywhere in the New Testament where the Word of God is very explicit about an angel being the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it also leads to a very dangerous type of theory and doctrine that can bring some to the understanding that by believing that this angel that was standing on the sea and on the earth and swearing before the one who created the heavens and the earth, uh, that, uh, that this angel is a created being. And if Jesus Christ is this angel, then he could possibly be a created being, as some would try to have you to understand. The Bible does not tell us who this angel is, and we certainly know that this angel is not the Lord Jesus Christ, but a very mighty angel. And he has a message. Now, to get a better idea of the identification of this angel, we want to take our Bibles and turn over to Daniel chapter 12. There in Daniel chapter 12... Daniel is given revelation of the last days. Notice in verse number one, at that time shall Michael, which is the archangel, stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Even to that same time, and at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now I want you to underscore that in your mind. Keep what we just read in your mind there in verse number 2, because we're going to read something similar over in Revelation chapter 1 in just a few moments. As we drop down to verse number 4, Daniel was told that the words were shut up and sealed. Daniel, in verse number 6, or verse number 5, Daniel looked, and Daniel behold, and there stood... Other two, the one on this side of the bank of the river, the other on 
that side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in a linen which was upon the water of the river, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? Now notice verse number 7 very clearly and very carefully look at this verse. I heard the man clothed in linen which was upon the waters of the river when he had held his right hand and his left hand unto heaven and swear by him that liveth forever that it should be for time, times, and half. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all things shall be finished. So what we have here is an angel. The angel is certainly not the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, there were angels that appeared in the form of a man. And sometimes they would appear with the Lord as he appeared in what was called a theophany. But we do not find any theophanies in the New Testament. And we do not find anywhere in the New Testament or in the book of Revelation where Jesus Christ is referred to as a theophany or as an angel. He's always referred to as to who he is. And so we find in Daniel chapter 12 and verse number 7, as Michael reveals to Daniel what is going to come in the last days, that there is a man that is going to stand on the earth. And the man that stands upon the earth is going to swear to him that lives forever. Again, notice in chapter 12, verse number 7 of Daniel, He swore by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, times, and half times. So here we are in Daniel chapter 10. We are at midpoint of the tribulation period. We're at that point to where God is ready to open up His judgment in great fury and allow the Antichrist to reveal himself for who he truly is. The temple now is going to be desecrated because the Antichrist is going to move into the temple. He's going to declare himself to be God. He's going to call upon the entire global planet to worship him. And everyone is going to receive a mark in their forehead or in their hand and without that mark, they will not be able to buy or sell. Up until this point, most judgments that have fallen upon the earth has been man-made. They've been wars and all kinds of horrible uh, catastrophes as a result of the wars. Famine and sickness and disease. But from this point forward, God is going to do what God is going to do in bringing judgment by bringing hell down from heaven, uh, fiery stones that will scorch men and darken the sun to where there is no light. Uh, God is going to open up the pits of hell and allow demonic creatures come out and they are going to crawl throughout the earth with stingers, with bodies like horses, with faces and heads like men. 
uh, crawling into people's homes and stinging them. And men will want to die, but they will not be able to die. All of these tragedies, earthquakes, where cities and islands will completely disappear. All of this is going to go on in the last three and a half years. This is the great woe. This is the time of Jacob's trouble. It's all a horrible time, uh, but <clears throat> this angel is announcing what is about to come. And he's lifting up his hand uh, to the Lord, and he's swearing unto the Lord, the one that lives forever, swearing to the one who has control over these three and a half years, swearing to the one who created heaven and earth, that cannot be the Lord Jesus Christ because the Lord Jesus Christ is the one we swear to. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one that lives forever. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one that created heaven and earth. Why would the Lord Jesus Christ be swearing to himself? Why would the Lord Jesus Christ be giving honor to someone who created the heavens and the earth? When the Bible makes it very clear that he is the creator of all things. Amen. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the Bible says all things were created by the word. And without the word was nothing created. That is created. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we behold him as the only begotten of the son of God full of grace and truth. Amen. So this makes no sense by interpreting that this angel is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now to clarify, we must go to Revelation chapter 1 and notice in verse number 18, where Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive for how long, class? Forevermore, amen, and have what? The keys of hell and death. Now I want you to understand something. Notice in all three passages here, in Daniel chapter 12 and verse number 7, notice he says that this man swear by him that liveth forever. And then again, notice in Revelation chapter 10 and verse number 6, and he swear by him that liveth forever. And then in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 18, I am he that liveth forever. Underscore the word liveth. You'll only find it in the King James version of the translation of Bibles in the English language. The reason the TH is on the end of liveth is because in the Greek we have what is known as the continual present tense. And for us to have the understanding in the English language of knowing what is in the continual present tense, the translators put the TH on the end of the word because according to our old English language, it gave us understanding of the tense by those letters. In other words, the word loveth with the EST is also a continual present tense. Which the Lord Jesus Christ is simply saying, I am he that is always. Amen. I'm always present. Amen. I was present in the age of Daniel. I was present in the age of Abraham. I was present in the age of Noah. I was present in the age of Adam. Amen. 
I am the Elohim. I am with my heavenly Father. We two, we three are one. The Spirit, the Son, the Father. There are three that bear witness in heaven. God the Father, God the Word, and God the Holy Ghost. These three are one. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 7. And so... He wants us to understand, and we see from this passage of Scripture, here is an angel that is standing upon the earth, a mighty angel. He is taking possession of the earth. He's crying out to the Lord, and he's asking the Lord or telling the Lord that, all right, pour out your vengeance, pour out your wrath, because it is just about finished. It's coming to an end. You're going to come, Lord. You're going to reign here upon this earth. God has given to us that understanding, and I'll explain that to you in just a moment. The only way that you and I can understand the Word of God is we've got to compare Scripture with Scripture. You just saw a truth where you have to go here a little and there a little. That's why the Bible says it must be studied rightly dividing the Word of Truth. Study the show thyself approved unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth. Beware of these commentators that do not rightly divide the word of truth. It's important that we do that. In Isaiah 28, verse number 10 and verse number 13, Isaiah has instructed us by the inspiration of the Lord to study the word of the Lord by precept upon precept, Line upon line, here a little and there a little. That means that we've got to get into our Bibles. That means that we need to mark our Bibles. That means we need to cross-reference our Bibles. That means that we must be great students of the Word of God. Now notice, when we went back over to Daniel chapter 12, we understand that there are going to be those that are going to be raised up that are going to go into everlasting life and those that are going to go into everlasting condemnation. We saw there in Revelation chapter 1, verse number 18, the one that liveth forevermore has the keys to death and hell. Those that do not put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ are going to be cast into a place called hell. Their bodies will be buried or their bodies will be incinerated. But whatever happens to their body, it goes back to the earth for which it was created from. That is the grave. That is death. The death of the body is the body being separated from the soul. And the soul be, being separated from the body. According to what we read in James chapter 1, that is what constitutes death. When a person does not know the Lord Jesus Christ, he is spiritually separated from God forever. Amen. His body that is in the grave after he dies, his soul that is placed down in a holding place called hell until the resurrection remains there until the Lord Jesus Christ unlocks the grave and unlocks the soul where it is in hell. And the soul and the body will be reunited and the soul and the body will be cast into the lake of fire. Amen. 
The Bible makes that very clear in Revelation chapter 20, where we see the great white throne judgment. Beginning with verse number 11 through verse number 15, John writes, as the earth is completely destroyed at the end of the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, we find that there is going to be a revolt. Satan, who has been put in the bottomless pit and has been chained up there for a thousand years, will be turned loose for a season. During the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, there will be mortal people living upon the earth because there were mortal people that were allowed to go into the millennial reign for doing nothing more than giving someone a cold drink of water or visiting someone that was in prison. Those are those that did not receive the mark of the beast, the number of Satan, the number 666 in their forehead or in their hand. If they did some good work and they did not receive that mark, they will be allowed to go into the kingdom of God. At the end of the millennial reign, there will be many lost people that will refuse to trust Jesus Christ, even though he has reigned here upon the earth, even though God has blessed the earth, even though God has taken the curse off from the earth, they will revolt against the Lord Jesus Christ and against his saints as they do today because Satan was turned loose and they will decide to follow after him and God will destroy them and Satan by casting them all into the lake of fire the earth will no longer be remembered. God will destroy this earth according to what we read in 2 Peter chapter 3. It will be burned up by fire as it was destroyed by a flood. This time it will be destroyed by fire and God will completely renovate it. There'll be no more ocean. There'll be no more seas. There'll just be one big old huge planet God will bring down his city to New Jerusalem about the size of the moon that will hover over the earth. You'll have an entirely different atmosphere, an entirely different world, and we'll go into an eternal kingdom. And those that did not put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, regardless what age they lived in, will all be raised up in bodies that will be immortal. Their souls will be reunited with those bodies, they will be judged according to the works that they've done when they were alive. There will be degrees of punishment based upon how they lived their lives. And they will be cast into a place called the lake of fire where they'll be tormented forever and ever. I don't care what degree of punishment you're going to receive, whether mild or extreme. You do not want to go there. The one that lives forever who has the keys of hell and death can make the decision of where you go. The Bible is very clear on that. But we find that there is also grace. Notice as we get down to verse number 7, the mystery of God should be finished. That's an interesting verse. Now look at it again. And in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he had declared to his servants the prophets. 
That is an interesting passage of Scripture because the Word of God makes it very clear that in this passage, God is unveiling a mystery, a mystery that has been locked up for centuries, has now been revealed unto his saints. Now, I want you to go back over to Daniel chapter 12, if you would, please. Notice again in Daniel chapter 12, Daniel made it very clear that he understood not. He said in verse number 3, And they shall be wise, and shall shine as the brightness of the firmaments, and they shall turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words, and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, knowledge shall be increased, then I, Daniel, looked, and I beheld, and there stood on the other two, the one on one side of the bank of the river, the other on the other side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in fine linen, which was upon the waters of the river, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in fine linen, which was upon the waters of the rivers, when he held his right hand and left hand unto heaven, and he swore by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time and time and half times, and when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, and all these things shall be finished. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Now what is he talking about? He's talking about the last days. He's talking about when uh, we finally come to the end of the ages. The end of the ages, if we study our Bibles, we read our Bibles, we first must understand as we read Daniel chapter 9, that when we come to the end of the ages, Israel is going to be back in their land. Amen. We will understand that Israel is going to have a temple and they're going to be worshiping in that temple. We understand somewhere about three and a half years into Israel worshiping this temple that they've been allowed to build by some leader that has popped up and has power over the nations and was able to convince the Palestinians and the Arab world to peaceably live with Israel and allow Israel somewhere on that holy mount to build their temple that everything will seem to be okay because God is going to send forth that first seal to where there is going to be peace. But we're not going to be here. We've been raptured out. But God has given us an understanding of these things before they happen. We understand because we see what's going on in these places. Remember I said earlier that we're going to be talking about a place as we look to this parenthesis. God says in three and a half years into this peaceful treaty that the Antichrist, which is some world leader that Israel is trusting, they have built their temple. 
Now he enters into the temple, but before he enters into the temple, God raises up two prophets. And these two prophets have power like Elijah and Moses to bring fire down from heaven and uh, bring drought to the land. And God is going to do some mighty, wonderful, and miraculous things in reaching people with the gospel. And God has given us an understanding. We know that that time is near. That's why the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 said, Of the time and the seasons, brethren, I have no need to write unto you, for you perfectly know God has given us that understanding. God has revealed for what has been a mystery for centuries uh, to Israel and to the religious world. God in these last days has revealed to us the understanding of the end days. And there has been a proliferation of books and writings and messages that are going out there preaching about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has made it very clear. We understand what is a mystery. We understand that a mystery is something that people don't understand unless God gives understanding. And there are people today, they think they understand. There's the mystery of salvation. There's the mystery of the rapture. God has given us that understanding. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We understand that. At one time, that was a great mystery. It's not a mystery to us. We believe it, we look for it, we understand it, we wait for it, we live by it. We understand that he could come at any moment. It's not a mystery to us why Israel's in the land. It's not a mystery to us why Russia right now is coming down to Ukraine. It's not a mystery right now why Putin is threatening the rest of the world. They get involved, there may be a nuclear war. It's not a mystery to us what's going on in China, why they want to take Thailand. It's not a mystery to us why the Arabs out there want to completely annihilate and bring genocide to the Jewish people. It's all in the Word of God. It's not a mystery to us that we have already legislated same-sex marriage and legislating sins of immorality and and, and, and godliness because it's in the Bible. The Bible already foretold that these days would come. Where men would be lovers of men and women would be lovers of women. Their natural use would be changed unto that which is not natural. The Bible makes it very clear that we're living in unusual days. It may be a mystery to a lot of people, but it's not a mystery to us. God had revealed this mystery. What is God revealing? Well, when we look over in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 9 through 10, we get an understanding of what God is revealing. Notice it says to us, the believer, that he has made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, that he, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, might give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. You see, God has given us an understanding. God has given us an understanding of knowing that one day we're all going to be together. When we stand at the graveside of a loved one to put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we know where they're at. 
We live our lives in hope of one day being gathered together with them in the air. That's why when we read over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 16, that's no mystery to us. For we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We know where we're going to be. We're going to be with King Jesus. We're not going to be with King Jesus here on earth. We're going to be with King Jesus in heaven because King Jesus is not coming to earth when He comes for His bride. He's coming to the air. He's going to take us out and we're going to meet Him in the air. There's going to be a reunion in the air. We're going to meet our loved ones and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And therefore we comfort one another. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, which is far better. Death is not a mystery to us. Heaven is not a mystery to us. God's kingdom coming to earth is not a mystery to us. What's going on with Israel is not a mystery to us. What's going on in this world with all of its debauchery, its iniquity, its depravity, ungodliness, and the fact that they hate Christians, and we find more and more that this nation is turning to against Christians and they're coming after us. That's not a mystery. Amen. We understand. Our salvation is not a mystery. God has revealed it by His Spirit. His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And God gives to us an understanding. God gives to us the grace, the desire, and the power to do His good will. All of these things we understand. I want you to notice in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 20, we are told, <clears throat> verse number, uh, excuse me, verse number 19, that he has revealed to us the exceeding greatness of his power to us for that believe according to the workings of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above principalities and powers and mights and dominions, so that every name that is in name, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, that he had put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Amen. Let me just say to you in closing, that there is coming a time, the Bible says that time will be no more. It will be finished. It will be done. We're living in the last days. Amen. I believe the clock is ticking. I believe we're already at almost just seconds away from the midnight hour. Amen. And King Jesus is coming to you in the clouds to take out his church. I believe that there is darkness that overspreads the earth because of immorality, because of weakness. Israel in the land is not there coincidental. God put them there. God has do, is doing something wonderful there. He's moving in the hearts of the Orthodox Jews, and they have a desire and a fervor to see their temple built. This is all not coincidental. We are living in the final days. The Bible says, Be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh, it should be no mystery to us to know what's going on in the world. Know that we need to be prepared. Are you prepared? Jesus made it very clear. There will be many when he stands. When he's ready to cast them into the lake of fire. And they'll say, wait a minute. 
I prophesied in your name. I did many wonderful works in your name. But according to Matthew chapter 7, he'll say, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, for I never knew you. What is it that we have to do to make sure that he knows us? People all the time talk about how they know Jesus. But do you know that he knows you? You see, it's important that you know that he knows you. In order for you to know that he knows you, you have to receive him. You can't just say, I believe in him. You have to receive him. As you receive him into your heart, as you trust him to be your savior, as you believe that he died for your sins and that he was buried and he rose again, to receive him means that you've got to turn from your sinful attitudes and turn to him by simply saying, Lord, I believe you died for my sins. And with your help and by your grace, I want to repent of my sins by turning to you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to forgive me my sins. I don't want to live in those sins any longer. I'm asking you, Lord, to save me from my wickedness and save me from my debauchery. Save me from the lifestyle that I'm living that has brought such conviction to my soul. Wash me and cleanse me with your precious blood. You see, that's true repentance. You know, just don't pray a little prayer, Lord, I love you, save me. No, there's got to be repentance. There's got to be a desire to turn from what you are, believing that your sins nailed him to the cross, breaking your heart with the understanding that your wicked sins is what put him there upon the cross. He took your place. He died in your stead so that you could be in righteousness as he is. And so you put your faith in him. You no longer want to live there in those sins. You need His help. You want His help. You want His deliverance. You're at that place to where you say, I despise the life that I'm living. God, would you please lift me up out of this miry play, this clay of sin and wickedness and debauchery and out of this slew of despondency and out of the filth and the wickedness of this world and set my feet on a firm, holy ground that I may walk with you. And he gives you a changed heart. The first thing you understand once you are saved is now you need to allow him to be the Lord of your life. And the first thing he calls on us to do is to be baptized. Amen. If you are ashamed to follow him in believer's baptism, then he's not Lord of your life. Because he made very clear, if you love me, you'll obey me. And so we then begin our walk with him. And guess what? His spirit then begins to bear witness with our spirit that we are the child of God. It's all based on his grace. But we've got to enter into that grace. And we, we want to have the grace to repent of our sins. Well, I want his grace to save, but I don't want his grace to stop doing what I like doing. I enjoy my drugs. I enjoy my booze. I enjoy my nightlife. Yeah, if he wants to save me, that's okay, but I'm not going to repent of those things. No, there's got to be repentance. To preach repentance and remission of sin in his name among all nations is found there in Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. 
with every head bowed.